Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. This is one Sunday at Northwick where we become extremely liturgical. So we have a liturgy. If you're a guest, you can learn it. It's really short. It goes like this. He is risen. You must have good memories. You haven't done that for a year, and you still remember it. Um, you know, as a pastor, Easter is huge for, in the life of believers. It's huge in the life of the church. It um, brings a tremendous privilege and certain fears. You know, you, um, you worry about uh, just cr- crazy things. What, what if nobody comes? Okay. What if Easter nobody comes? Okay. What, what if you get up to preach and you find out you have Christmas notes, not Easter notes? But t- today I have a new Easter fear uh, with Ricky standing next to Daniel singing about the resurrection. There would be some kind of spontaneous combustion that would set off the sprinkler system inside the worship center. It's a glorious, uh, glorious time for us as believers. Uh, we are ending the season of Lent. Uh, in Lent, it's customary for believers to often give up something as a symbol of sacrifice and repentance to ready themselves for this celebration today. There was a uh, top ten list of what things Americans say they gave up for Lent this year. And in order, it goes like this. Twitter, chocolate, swearing, alcohol, soda, Facebook, fast food, sex, sweets, and meat. Those are the top ten things that people have are going to be engaging in today as a result of (laughs) (laughs) the end of Lent. So I was going to, some other, you get farther down the list and you find things like school, Starbucks, sarcasm, and men were also given up for Lent by quite a number of Americans. Um, top ten lists are, are in our culture all the rage. I think David Letterman probably uh, cemented this into our culture. And uh, as he made them a staple of his late night talk show, there's a website called Listverse. They have... A, a, a quick survey, best I could tell, about 3,000 top 10 lists on their website. It includes things like um, 10 ordinary things that can be terrifying weapons, um, 10 weird things that have fallen from the sky, 10 bizarre junk food deaths, 10 animals with awesome military careers, uh, 10 top 10 strange religious candies. Okay. These are the kinds of things that they have collected. So. In the hope of redeeming the literary genre known as the top 10 list, today I'm going to walk you through two top 10 lists related to the celebration of the resurrection of Christ. They are the top 10 things we learn about God through the resurrection. What kind of God resurrects people from the dead? And secondly, what are the top 10 purposes of God in the resurrection for us? Now, I realize at this point, some of you have your calculator out and you're doing the math and you realize that this sermon has 20 points and you had plans this afternoon. Okay. Um, what, what is that about? Why would, why would I unveil something with 20 points in it? Well, it is a modest attempt on my part to atone for all those sermons that a number of you have pointed out to me were considered to be point, pointless. Um, <laughs> So, what do you do with a 20-point sermon? Okay, what do you do with it? 
you can take notes really, really fast if you want to. And I'm sure there's some value in that, but you are not going to be graded. You are not going to be required to regurgitate this at any particular point. Um, what I would rather you do, I would like you to distill this down to a two-point sermon. Of, of the top ten lists that I'm going to run past you today, there should be one thing from each list. Uh, one thing the resurrection teaches you about God that you want to carry away from this room and further treasure and remember and think about and reflect on. There should also be one purpose of God that comes to you from the resurrection that you want to welcome, you want to embrace, you want to live by this. So um, two points for you, 20 points for me. So you're looking on these lists, uh, what's the one thing? And if 20 points is still daunting to you, let me, let me assure you it could be worse. There's a, there's a fantastic new book out called Risen, 50 Reasons Why the Resurrection Changed Everything. So it could be 50 reasons. And let me encourage you, this book is available as an e-book. You could go home and pick it up today, and it's a daily devotional kind of book. You can read one reason every day during the season of Pentecost, the next 50 days, and further think about the resurrection and uh, meditate on it. But my intent today is to pile up for you an irresistible, undeniable, unavoidable portrait of God, the God who raises his son from the dead for us, such that you will welcome and treasure and delight in all of his good resurrection purposes for you. So I'm doing this in part for my own good, uh, but also for yours. We need to believe that the resurrection is true. We need it to be true and to be for us from a God who loves us. It is our great hope as Christians. And if we neglect it, we do it to our peril. So if you'll bow with me in prayer and buckle up, we're going to go through 20 20 points in the next few minutes, all right? Let's pray. God, I pray uh, indeed that you would give us attentive minds and hearts, not just to what's being said, but what you are saying through what's said to each of us, uh, that we might walk out of this room treasuring one thing about you, the God who raises his son from the dead, and one thing that we understand and welcome about what you are trying to do in our lives. So God, give us teachable hearts and... Uh, ears to hear as it comes to us now through the scriptures, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As I go through these things, you're going to find that uh, many of them are attributed in scripture both to the resurrection and to the crucifixion of Jesus. These two events are inseparable. They are, um, they are two of a necessary kind. Resurrection is the necessary counterpart of the death of the Son of God. If Jesus really is the Son of God, then resurrection is the necessary counterpart to that death. So much of what I share today is rooted in Jesus' cross work as well as his resurrection. So here are ten things we learn about God and his Son from the resurrection. First one, he has power over death. In Acts 2, it says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders 
and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was not possible. Romans 6 says, We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. You know, six years ago, uh, we laid my dad to rest in a little wooded cemetery somewhere up in the Midwest in a little town that he lived most all of his life. Two years later, we laid my mom there. And before, before I know it, it's going to be my turn. Death stalks us all. And I, and I know that this first point is really kind of Captain Obvious, but the resurrection is the cure for death. There is no other. There is no other hope when you face the death of a loved one or you face your own death, and we all will multiple times. Um, I thank God that he has demonstrated power over death in the resurrection of his son. Okay, second point. The resurrection teaches us that God keeps his promises. Okay. Jesus says in Luke 24, again, uh, he said to him, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The Old Testament promises must be fulfilled in Christ. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. On the third day, the Son of God must rise from the dead. This is not an easy promise to keep, okay? To come back from the dead. Um, but it, it serves us as kind of a faith builder in all of the other promises, the lesser promises. It's like an argument from the greater to the lesser. If he keeps this one, then the rest of them, that's icing on the cake, right? He keeps his promises. We learn that from the resurrection. Third thing we learn, he has power over sickness. In Revelation, twice I've written it on here for your value. Uh, let me read you what that first verse is supposed to be. First verse is Acts 4.10, if you are keeping copious notes today. Paul says there, or Peter says there, Let it be known to you, all of you, and to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, okay, by the name of Jesus who was crucified and was raised from the dead, by him... This man is standing before you well. A miraculous healing had just happened. And Peter attributes it to the risen Christ. The risen Christ still heals. And if you've had a loved one in the emergency room or the cancer ward recently, then this is a treasure. The risen Christ still heals. God the Father will one day heal all fully. And that's what's on here twice for emphasis. Um, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That comes to all of us who share in the resurrection of Christ. 
fourth reason, the fourth thing we learn, he cares, we learn God cares about this broken world. We learn that from the resurrection. In Romans 8, Paul is describing the kind of a fallout from the resurrection. He says that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And again, at the back end of the Bible, Revelation describes what will one day happen. Uh, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. One day, the risen Christ is going to remake this broken world. He's going to reverse the curse of sin. No more natural disasters, no more sickness or disease. The creation itself will be set free from bondage one day. And this is all set in irreversible motion by the restorative work of the resurrection of the Son. We learn that God cares about this broken world and He cares about our brokenness, he cares about our suffering. Romans 8 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us in the resurrection. Revelation describes it this way. The Lamb, who is Jesus, in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. and He'll guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. The resurrection of Jesus ushers in an extraordinary hope of a God who cares about our suffering, who will, by the work of the resurrection of his son, the lamb amidst the throne, who will be our shepherd, he's going to usher us into a glory that's beyond compare. He's going to bring us, this resurrected Christ is, to the Father, and the Father will wipe every tear away. The scriptures are telling us it will be worth it. Our present sufferings will pale in comparison to the glory of the resurrected Christ. It'll be worth it. He cares about our sufferings. Number six, the resurrection teaches us that God wants to forgive us. He is a forgiving God. In Acts 13, we see that David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, that is, he died, and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up, the the risen Christ, did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. So forgiveness of sins is proclaimed through the resurrected Christ. Paul would go so far as to say in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Paul says, through the resurrected Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to us. It's such an integral part of forgiving this resurrection that if Christ did not raise, we would still be in our sins. But God would have none of that. So he rose his son, he raised his son rather, from the dead so that we could be forgiven. The resurrection of Christ shouts of God's longing to forgive our sins, all of them. Number seven, the resurrection shows us simply that God wants to be with us. It's it's kind of fascinating. 
uh, to think of it this way. In Romans 8, it says that not Paul writes, not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, that is our resurrection. That our resurrection, which comes through Christ's resurrection, is, is an expression of our being adopted by God. Um, Jesus is going to simply tell us in Matthew 28, when we get there at the end of our study of Matthew, Behold, I am with you always, the resurrected Christ says, to the end of the age. See, our resurrection, which is rooted in Christ's resurrection, is linked to our adoption. Our adoption is completed, in a sense, when we are raised up in our bodies. It's part of God's fully claiming us to be His. God raised His Son so that He could always be with us. He raised us so that we could be raised to be with Him forever. The resurrected Jesus just says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age Forever I'll be with you. He was raised to be with us that we might be raised to be with him. God wants to be with us. Eighth thing we learn about God. He is supreme. This specifically has reference to Jesus as the son. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great read later today. If you want to read about the resurrection more, this would be a fantastic place. 1 Corinthians 15, it's all about the resurrection. It says, as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then it is coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Paul would elsewhere say that God has highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Yeah, I told you that that list verse site has like 3,000 ridiculous top 10-ish type lists. One of them, it was interesting to me, I, I read it with interest, was uh, top 10 resurrected religious figures. And I thought, that's interesting. I thought we kind of had a corner on the whole resurrection thing. <laughs> so I started reading of all these resurrected religious figures. And um, admittedly, by even their proponents, they're all myths. Okay. Dionysus, uh, Persephone, Odin, Ganesha, none of them were folk like us, real historical people. Okay. None of them, except Except Jesus. He really lived. He really walked the earth like you and me. He promised that he would be raised on the third day. We've already seen that. And he was with all kinds of witnesses. By his resurrection, he is supreme over death and all other names. Jesus is the risen one. No one else like him. Ninth thing we learn about God. God is very, very kind. The resurrection is this grand display of the kindness of God for us. And Paul wrote about this beautifully in that verse, those verses in Ephesians 2. He says, but God, being rich in mercy 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We share in his resurrection. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, forever, he's saying, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, we who believe in Jesus are beneficiaries of his resurrection. We are raised to newness of life that lasts forever. This, Paul says, is a gift of mercy, pure mercy and love. We too will live even though we die. We are raised so that God can, for all the ages to come, show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. The resurrection teaches us that God is very, very kind. And the tenth thing I'll underscore today is a little bit different angle. Uh, it, the resurrection teaches us that God will judge justly. In Acts 17, it says, The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and that man, as we'll see, is Jesus. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him, by raising Jesus from the dead. Jesus was raised in order that he might judge the world. It is to be looked forward to by the righteous, those who have faith in Christ, and it is to be feared by those who still will bear the penalty for their own sin. Jesus will one day judge the world. So, this is what the resurrection teaches us about the God behind it. And his son who was raised. He has power over death. He keeps his promises. He is for us. He cares about this broken world. He cares about us and our sufferings. He longs to forgive us. He wants to be with us. He is supreme. He is very, very kind. And he will judge justly. Now, that's the God of Easter. What's your one point? What's your one thing that Easter reveals about God that you want to think more about, treasure, worship God for? And yes, your children will ask you about it later. So, think fast. So, what... Second list I want to run past you, the second top ten list this morning, or what is he bringing to us in the resurrection? What are God's purposes that he is using the resurrection to bring about? So, ten purposes of God for us in the resurrection of his son. Number one, Christ is risen to give us hope in the hardest, the very hardest of times. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that is, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Even in the face of death, 
The resurrection brings us hope. Our resurrection is rooted in his resurrection, as we'll see in just a moment. If you've ever buried a loved one, this reason, this purpose would be enough. Okay? This is enough. But, but there's more. Okay. Here's the second one, very closely related. Christ was raised that our resurrection might be made sure. Romans 8 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that is, if you are a Christ follower, a believer in Jesus, okay, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The certainty, as I've already said, of, of his resurrection is what makes our resurrection sure. Jesus rose so we could too. By faith in the one who died and rose for us. Third reason Christ was raised. Christ was raised to rescue us from condemnation. Romans 8 says, who's to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Jesus was raised and is interceding for us. Steve Matthewson, in the, in the book that I mentioned to you called Risen, um, says this. He says, Jesus is praying for you. The resurrected Jesus is praying for you. If Jesus had not been raised to life, he would be unable to intercede for us. But because he lives forever, he always lives to intercede for us. This is an even more wonderful blessing than we might imagine. Because Jesus is the one person who can condemn us and whose condemnation would stick. But instead of condemning us as judge, he intercedes for us as high priest. Christ is risen to rescue us from condemnation. He is risen, fourth reason, to give us access to God. Very closely related to the one I just said. Hebrews 7 talks again about his intercession. Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he lives forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Because he is risen and lives forever, he is able to make intercession forever for us and save us forever, okay. always securing our access to the Father through him, our living high priest. Through him, we can always and forever draw near to God. You know, Every quiet time you ever had where you drew near to God, every sense of God's nearness in creation or in friends or in family, it comes through the intercessory work of the risen Christ. We draw near to God because of Christ who was raised and intercedes on our behalf. Fifth reason Christ was risen is to set us free from the fear of death. Jesus says in Luke 20 of those who participate in the resurrection. He says they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Hebrews 2 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself 
That's Jesus. Likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Someone once said that Christianity is the best way to live and the only way to die. This is exactly what this point means. He delivers us from the fear of death. You know, as a result of my vocation, I do lots. I've been to lots of funerals. Um, It's also a consequence of my age. I've been to lots of funerals uh, over my lifetime. To die without faith is terrifying. It is, it should be, but to die with faith, that's hopeful, full of hope. Christ has risen to set us free from the fear of death. Sixth reason Christ was raised is to set us free from selfish living. And these next three all go really close together. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, If the dead are not raised, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Party on, Paul says. The seventh reason, very close, uh, Christ was raised to change our desires. In Colossians 3, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So Paul in that first passage is saying, if if this life is all there is, then you'd better party hard because this is all there is. It really is about you. And the beer commercials are desperately trying to convince us of that. That this life is all there is, so grab for all the gusto you can. The resurrected Christ offers us so much more, so much more. C.S. Lewis has been quoted a billion times on this, but he said it so well, it's hard to improve on it. He says, we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Paul says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, where infinite joy is. Christ has risen to change our desires, to free us from living selfishly. And eighth, to give us purpose, a new purpose. Paul again in 2 Corinthians 5 says, Christ died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Christ is risen to give us a new purpose outside of ourselves. In Greek mythology, um, Narcissus, was a handsome young hunter who was so enamored with himself that an adversary took him over to a reflective pool of water. He saw himself in the water, became so infatuated with the water that he kept grasping at the image of himself 
trying to put his hands and hug his own neck. Christ has delivered us from this self-absorbed, narcissistic, it's where we get the term, life. There's a greater purpose. We live for the one who died for us and was raised for us. Ninth reason, we're almost there. Christ was raised to rescue us from wrath. The wrath of God, specifically. 1 Thessalonians says that they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned, you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The risen Christ rescues us from God's impending judgment. Because of his death in our place, in which he bore God's wrath for our sin, and by his resurrected intercession on our behalf, we are spared. To put it bluntly, we don't have to go to hell because Christ died and has been raised for us. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's good news. That's the best news. The tenth thing I'll underscore for you, just to go back to what we saw in our first top ten list, it's very precious. Christ was raised so that he could be with us. Jesus just says, I'm with you always. The resurrected Christ, I'm with you always. To the ends of the age. He'll never abandon us. He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. You will never be alone, ever. Christ is with us always. St. Patrick um, lived in the 400s, like about 1,600 years ago. And he tried to grasp this um, in a poem that he wrote. It goes like this, part of it. I bind this day to me forever by power of faith, Christ's incarnation, his baptism in the Jordan River, his death on a cross for my salvation, his bursting from the spiced tomb, his riding up the heavenly way, his coming at the day of doom, I bind unto myself today. Against all Satan's spells and wiles, against false words of heresy, against the knowledge that defiles, against the heart's idolatry, against the wizard's evil craft, against the death wound and the burning, the choking wave and poison shaft, protect me, Christ, till thy returning. Christ be with me, Christ within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me. Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. Jesus just said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus came back from death in order to give us hope to make our own resurrection sure, to rescue us from condemnation, to give us access to God forever, to set us free from the fear of death, to set us free from selfish living, to change our desires, 
to give us purpose, to rescue us from wrath, and simply to be able to be with us. Okay, which one is yours? Which is the purpose of God in the resurrection that you want to welcome and embrace and have shape your life when you leave this room in ever-increasing ways? And kids, you should ask your parents when you get home, Mommy, what were your two? Daddy, what were your two? That's your job, kids. Make sure that they did their homework. What are your two? But some of you are here today, and I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a gimme. You only need one point, okay? You don't, even, you don't even have to have two points when you leave today. You just need one point. Um, you're here either out of curiosity or appeasement or even under duress. You came here probably to keep the peace on the elbow of someone who cares about you a great deal. The point for you, if you find yourself in that place is simply this, you should believe. You should believe that Christ did, in fact, die for your sins as an expression of the love of God for you. And he was raised, he was raised to bring you all of this that we talked about today. The point for you is that you should believe. I have, I've just piled up for you 20 pretty good reasons to believe. I mean, does your worldview offer any kind of hope that even compares to that in the slightest? What you're believing in? At the very least, your one thing should be to leave this place and do your homework. Did this really happen? Did this man really live? Did he really die? Did he really raise? And let me... Let me offer to uh, provide you a, a great resource, an initial resource in thinking about the resurrection. It's a delightful one. It comes from this book called The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey, not by Larry T. That's my email address. If you'll email me, I'll send you, um, I'll send you the chapter on resurrection from this book just for you to think about. Uh, it's a delightful, thoughtful consideration of whether or not this resurrection really happened and what it means. So at least your one thing ought to be, I'm going to learn more. But your one thing, your one thing today could be this, this is your day to believe. Easter is a great day to believe that Jesus died on the cross, not for his sins, but for yours, and that he rose from the dead to, pro to provide you all of this, all these 20 incredible, amazing things. If you will believe and follow him. Jesus had this interaction with Martha after the death of someone very dear to her. And he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, Martha. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asked a very good question. It's the most important question. Do you believe this? If you'll bow with me in prayer, we'll pray about that. Father, I pray for those um, who are seated before me who have just heard a mountain of ideas and propositions and truths about who you are and what you intend to do for them in the resurrection of your son. God, I pray that um, you might bless them 
with a faithful obedience. And I pray especially, Father, for those who are here um, feeling a little on the outside, looking in, figuring things out, exploring things, um, that you would grant them faith to believe in these amazing promises, this greatest of hopes, um, which rests in the Son, Jesus, who did die for us and was raised on the third day. For this, we covenant as your people to always worship and serve you in love. We pray in his name. Amen. If you'll stand, the worship team's going to lead us in a closing hoorah for the risen Christ. Let's celebrate together, okay?